Good morning, everyone. That sounded pretty good. That never happens to me at home. I'll make a comment, and usually everybody keeps talking, but everybody got quiet. <laughs> Even the cows keep bawling. <laughs> good morning, everybody. It's good to see everyone here this morning, especially those of you that are visiting with us. If you haven't got a card, hopefully you'll have one handed to you if you'd fill that out. Drop it in the collection plate when it comes by. be real easy. And we'd like to know who you are and be able to correspond. At this time, we ask that you turn your cell phones to silent. It's embarrassing when they go off, especially if you're standing up here. That's happened to me before, so I think I've already got mine off. But we'd like to invite you back this evening at 6 p.m. And if you're in the area on Wednesday, stop by on Wednesday. I'd like to read this morning Ephesians 4, 32, all the way through Ephesians 5, 1, two verses. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Would you bow with us, please? Father, we are thankful for this beautiful day of life you've given us, for your Son who came and died for each of us. We're thankful for this opportunity to come together and worship with like-minded Christians. We ask that you bless us in our effort this morning, that the things we do are pleasing unto you in accordance with your word. We ask your blessings on our sick and our shut-ins. Be with those that have lost loved ones. Bless us as we enter this worship service. Be with Chris as he presents us with the lesson and as we surround that table and sing songs to you. Forgive us in thy son's name we pray and amen. Would you stand for the first song, please? First hymn this morning, number 154, Give Me the Bible. 154. We'll sing the first three verses. Give me the Bible story that is to give the Yeah. 
Next hymn this morning, number 730. 730, what a friend we have in Jesus. <clears throat> sing the first, sing all three verses, and then Brother Chad Ward will have our scripture and prayer. Let us pray. Our dear God, our Father in heaven, we praise you this morning, Father, for all that you are. Father, we know that you are the creator of life. Father, you made each of us, and you saw fit, Father, to bring each of us here together this morning. Father, I ask your blessing upon Chris, thankful for the time that he has spent in preparation for his lesson this morning. We ask that you will be with each of us as we, we listen and that we can take what we learn from him this morning, Father. Father, we ask your blessing upon this congregation here that you will be with 
each of the members, Father, that you will be with each of the elders as they lead us and they watch over us. Be with Clinton and Jerry and Gary and be with Mike and Rick and Jeremy, that you will bless each of them, Father. Watch over them and, and grant them, Father, wisdom and strength as they, as they lead us. Father, I ask your blessing upon those who are sick this morning, that you will bless Terry Leap, and that you will be with Jim Haney and Jennifer Baker and, Father, so many who are in need of your prayer and your blessing. Father, we pray that you will watch over those who would like to be here and who are unable, who may be confined to their homes. Father, be with Marvin and Judy and Judy Gerald, Terrell Spitzer, be with Margaret and Charlie and Alice, Eloise, John and Brenda, Opal Galloway and Karina, Yvonne Cornell, Wilma Warner. Be with Charlie Sloan and, and Peg and Roger, Father, that you watch over each of them and, and grant them strength and, and good health, Father. Father, most of all, I'm thankful for the gift of your son, that you also, you also saw fit to bring him into this world and that he would give his life for us. Father, forgive us when we sin. Help us to learn from our mistakes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Chris has asked this morning that I read from James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. James 2, beginning with verse 14. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Next hymn this morning, number 645. 645, we'll sing the first and third verse on the old rugged cross. And Brother Allen will have our present at the table. Oh, so 
this time of year, there's a lot of excitement in the air, especially for the wee little ones who are excited about Santa Claus, but many of the older adults too, I suppose. There's a lot of excitement out there of things to come. Over 2,000 years ago, people were excited too when they saw a star in the sky and they knew what it meant. They were hopeful for the coming of a Messiah that had been promised. And about 30 years later after that event, Andrew found Peter and explained to him, we have found the Messiah. He was excited. And when Jesus said to them, come and follow me, there was no hesitation. They were excited to follow Jesus. And when Jesus came upon Matthew, and he said, follow me, Matthew didn't question. Matthew just dropped what he was doing and got left his tax booth behind, and he too followed Jesus. Everywhere they went, people were excited to see the Son of God. The Samaritan, the Samaritan woman at the well who met Jesus, she was so excited, she ran back into town until everyone about the man she had met. Zacchaeus, this wee little man, climbed a tree just to see Jesus. He was so excited. People from so many different walks of life were so excited to be near Jesus. And I'm always touched by how Mary Magdalene, who was so touched, that she couldn't stop kissing Jesus' feet and, and her tears flowed from her eyes and she would wipe them with her hair. Um, she was just so excited and, and so touched to be near Jesus. One of my favorite songs in the uh, song books is, is called, I Want to Be Where You Are. I'm, I'm not sure it's actually in these books, but it's titled, where I, I Want to Be Where You Are, Where You Are. And uh, one of the chorus parts of that says, in your presence, that's where I always want to be. I just want to be with you. And I often imagine and, and kind of fantasize what it would have been like to, be in, to have been around that, that last supper with his disciples and how those apostles must have felt. I mean, they were so fortunate in ways that they got to spend those, those about three years with Jesus. They got to spend that time with him and, and around that table. And I think it was John who even was leaning against Jesus. They just couldn't get enough of him, wanted to be so near him. How we like that. 
Do we want to be near him? When we gather around this table this morning, this figurative table, the Lord's Supper, we're, we're drawing near to Jesus. We want to be near him as well. We remember who he was, what he did, the sacrifice that he made for us. We should be excited about the sacrifice he made and excited about the, his coming once again. Let's pray. Our wonderful Father in heaven, we, we thank you, Father, so much for your son, Jesus, who gave up that home in heaven and came here on earth to, to live a life of example for us, to show us how to love, to be the ultimate sacrifice for us. And Father, as he showed his disciples, and, and we now practice, Father, this, this supper that we're about to partake of, Father, help us to remember his sacrifice that he made. As we partake of this bread, which is the emblem of his body, help us to remember that his body was sacrificed as the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And Father, we pray that we will be worthy of this and always be mindful. And Father, we pray that you'll bless it and bless us as we partake. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. again pray again father we come before you in, in humble, humble prayer father thanking you again for your son jesus 
thanking you for the opportunity we have now to partake of this fruit of the vine, the emblem of your, blood, your son's blood that was shed for us. Again, Father, we pray that you'd be with us so we might partake of it in a worthy manner. Please bless it and bless us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We should all be excited about the coming of our Lord and Savior. We don't know when he's coming. Um, even he doesn't know. It could be end of service. It could be a year from now. It could be a thousand years from now. We don't know. But we do know that he is coming, and we were given a task to work till he comes again. Our job is to reach the lost and to care for those who need help, to love one another. To preach the gospel that's what we do to help us achieve these goals these missions we raise funds by collecting money here this day to help the church the work of the church here go on 
Let's pray, please. <clears throat> Our wonderful Father, we, we're so grateful for all you've blessed us with, Father, and we're so mi mindful that you've blessed us to, with the, for living in a, a wonderful country with so many opportunities, Father. You've given us so many things that we're, we're just so blessed to have. Father, we pray that you'll help us always be mindful that your son is returning one day and that we want to be found working and doing good works, being prepared for his coming and doing whatever we can to help prepare the church, to help to get everyone we can into the kingdom. Father, we pray now as this money is collected this day that you will watch over the funds, help it to be used wisely, help the, the money be used to spread the gospel throughout this community and throughout our country and the world. These favors we ask in Christ's name, and amen. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 400, Living by Faith, number 400. <clears throat> so at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. <clears throat> I care not today what the Father may bring in
Invitation hymn this morning, number 739, 739, what, would, what will you do with Jesus? Brother Chris. Good morning. I am notoriously hard to buy for for Christmas. I have an Amazon wish list. Kelly looks at it every now and then to figure out what she's going to give me for Christmas. So I kind of pick out my own Christmas gifts, and I kind of like it like that. Uh, that way I get what I want, you know. And so today we're talking about some gifts you can give yourself. For Christmas. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to pick out your own gifts? Today you get to. You can pick out your own gifts that you want to get for Christmas. This is a series we're starting to, uh, last week where we talk about some things that uh, are not necessarily, a lot of people are thinking about Jesus' birth during this time of the year. And I think that's a, that's a fine thing to think through, but there are some things that we need to think through before we get there, I guess, uh, to things that are important. Um, to think about during this time of, uh, of the year. And so there's some things that I like to get myself for Christmas. And here's gift number one. I want to give myself a more active faith. Turn over to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. More active faith. Those two words, uh, it's kind of redundant, isn't it? Biblical faith is always active. And you see that from, from James chapter 2 here. The passage that uh, Chad read for us this morning. James chapter 2, starting at verse 14. This is what James says to, to the church he's writing to. He says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. James says, you don't have an active faith, you have a, a faith. But today we, we don't really see it like that, do we? We, we, we need that, that extra word, active faith, in it because we've kind of got a, uh, a watered-down view of faith a little bit, at least in our culture. Faith is more of a, I come uh, to services, I, I believe, um, but it's not, necessary, not, not necessarily active. But in the Bible, it is. And so uh, I wanted to add that extra word uh, for us this morning. I want an active faith. And I, I think these things that I want to give myself for Christmas are probably things that you want to give yourself for Christmas as well. But I, I wanted to bring some of these thoughts to us this morning. Skip down a couple of verses to verse 26. James chapter 2, verse 26. 
He says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is, is dead. You, you can't have faith without doing something. Faith demands action. And so when we talk about having an active faith, we're, we're really being redundant there, but it, it, it's necessary, I suppose. And so what would that look like? Well, I want to be involved in more ministries. I, I want us all to be involved in more ministries uh, of this congregation. Flip over to Exodus chapter 3. There are a lot of reasons we don't get involved more. Uh, and some of those are valid reasons, right? Some of those are, are, are understandable reasons. The interesting thing about that is in Exodus chapter 3, God calls Moses to serve him and he has some reasons. And they're valid reasons. They make sense. These reasons, he's not out on a thin branch here. He's, he's doing things and making excuses, making reasons for why he can't serve in the capacity that God wants him to serve. And they all make sense. See, that's a problem for us because we make excuses or have reasons why we can't serve. And they make sense. But God doesn't seem to care. <laughs> he still calls us to serve. Check out what's going on in Exodus chapter 3. Moses has left Egypt. That's happened uh, 40 years ago by the time we meet him in Exodus chapter 3. Uh, he's 80 years old now. He left Egypt when he was 40. And he's now entered into a different portion of his life. He has a wife now. He has children now. He has another job now. He lives in another country now. But as he's doing his job, he's, he's a uh, shepherd. <clears throat> as he's doing his job, he comes across a bush that's on fire. You're, you're familiar with this story, I'm, I'm sure. But he comes across this bush that's on fire. And it, it's an odd thing, right? And so he, he goes aside to see it, <coughs> what's going on. And a voice speaks to him from the bush. And it's Yahweh. And he wants him to, he wants Moses to go back to Egypt and to tell Pharaoh to let the, the Israelites go free. And Moses has all these fantastic excuses, all these fantastic reasons. One of the first ones may be, well, I'm busy. That's a legitimate reason, isn't it? Moses is busy. Like we said earlier, he's got a wife now in this other country. He's got children in this other country. He has responsibilities here. He's got a job here in this other country. And going back to Egypt is going to completely devastate that life that he has built for the last 40 years in this new country. He's busy. That's a legitimate excuse. It's a legitimate reason. The funny thing is, God just doesn't seem to care. It's funny to, to me that we would make the deal with God that one hour, two hours, three hours a week from me will give, he will grant me eternity. That's, that's not very good math, is it? That's not the way, that's not the way we think, is it? Um, but it's, it seems to be what, what we do. You know, it seems to be how we, we process this idea. If I just come to worship, that, that's really all God demands from me. He, he doesn't demand my life. He doesn't demand these sacrifices. He doesn't demand a transformation in my life. He's just coming on, on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, maybe even. It, that, that'll be enough. And it's, just, it's just not. It's just not enough. But I'm, I'm busy. 
valid excuse, valid reason. It's just not good enough. If you're too busy to serve in one of the ministries here, you're too busy. Right? If you're too busy to serve God, then you're too busy. There are things in our culture that have perverted and watered down the gospel. And this idea, this American ideal of uh, me working and me being busy all the time is one of those things. It's, it's harmed the gospel. And so we view, let me put it to you like this. Last time somebody walked up to you, you hadn't seen it in a while. They said, hey, how you doing? You said, what'd you say? Either good or busy, right? Because you didn't want them to think you were lazy, right? That's fine. We talked about laziness a couple weeks ago. And I don't think you should be lazy either. But I think that if I'm too busy to serve in the local church, I'm too busy. One of the things I want to give myself for Christmas is a more active faith. And one of the ways I want to do that is becoming more involved in various ministries. One of the things that Moses throws out again when, when the I'm not busy, I'm too busy, excuse, reason, valid, didn't work. He said, well, that's not really in my wheelhouse, Lord. Remember, he said, I'm not, I'm not an eloquent man. What did, what did God say to that? Well, he said, I'm the one who has qualified you to do this job, and so you go do it. He didn't say it in those words, but he, he said something very much like that, didn't he? He said, I'm the one who made your tongue. You don't get to call it unworthy to be able to do the job that I told, I'm telling you to do. So one of the excuses we would say to, or one of the reasons, even a valid, fine reason, we would say to not be involved in more ministries is, well, I'm just too busy. That's fine. I understand that. We've got four kids, a wife, busy job. Lots of us work 40 plus hours a week. We have hobbies. We have families. We have all these other things that, that we're involved with. It just doesn't matter. God still calls us to be involved, to be active, to put everything that we have toward him. It's a life of service. So the idea that I'm too busy to serve, you're not. Or if you are, become less busy. Let's get involved in ministries here. It's important. One of the other things that we might say, just the first, maybe your knee-jerk reaction after I'm too busy is, I can't serve any of the ministries here because it's not in my wheelhouse. It's not the things that I'm, that I'm good at. Well, Moses didn't think he was very good at this uh, job that God has called him to do, but he's actually said that you've been, Moses had been qualified by God to do this very job. Interestingly enough, he says the exact same thing about us. Flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15. He's equipped us to do this work. The work of building up the church, the work of benevolence, the work of evangelism. He's called us to do these things, and certainly he's not going to leave us unable to do them. If he calls you to do something, he's going to enable you to do it. And he's called us to do these, specifically these three things, this edification of the church, benevolence to the community and, and to the congregation, as well as evangelism to, to our community and the world. So certainly he's going to equip us to be able to do those things. Ephesians 4, starting verse 11, this is what he says. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. He says, this is what these roles in the church 
do. This is what our opportunity here is for. When we gather together, we're gathered together for several reasons, one of which is to take the Lord's Supper. The main one is to take the Lord's Supper, but it's also to equip each other to do the work of ministry. And so he's enabled us, equipped us to do the work that he's calling us to do. And so you think, oh, this, this ministry that, that I'm interested in, I'd like to do it, but it's just not my wheelhouse. God's equipped you to do this thing. You can do it. Flip I'll go over to Exodus 18. Having you flip a lot today, sorry. Exodus chapter 18. Moses is going to meet with his father-in-law. Now, this is just, this is an awesome story. So when, after the burning bush incident, Moses is out of reasons. Though they're all logical and though they all make sense, God doesn't care why Moses can't serve. He's called him to do it and he's expecting him to do it now, right? So after the burning bush incident, Moses says, well, I really don't know what else to do. I guess I'm going to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. I don't know how that's going to work. And I, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. I, if you read between the lines here, what, he, what I think is going through Moses' mind is, uh, I think this is a suicide mission. I don't think I'm going to make it back because he sends his wife and his kids back to his father-in-law. You go live with them. You stay away from Egypt. I'm going into the lion's den, so to speak. I'm going into the mouth of the fire. and ah, May come back, I may not. He is completely aware of how Pharaoh will take this demand. And it is a demand. It's, he, Moses isn't asking, God isn't asking Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. He's demanding it happen now. And you don't demand something from Pharaoh. But Moses is going to demand something from Pharaoh. And so... I think he thinks, I'm not coming back from this. I'm going to go make the demand and maybe he'll kill me and, and that'll be the end of the things, but I'm going to keep my family safe. And so he sends his wife and his children back to his father-in-law's house and that's where they live. But God comes through for him and the rest is history and, and he sends the plagues and Pharaoh ends up not killing Moses and Moses leads the children of Israel back and he leads them to Mount Sinai and the craziest thing happens. Jethro, his, his father-in-law, his, his wife's dad, Jethro, gets a letter from Moses saying, hey, bring my wife and my children to Mount Sinai. And so Jethro does. And, and now it's safe. And Moses can, can reunite with his family again. And so um, Jethro brings them. And he's looking around. And he's kind of seeing the way after, after they make the initial greetings, they sleep. They have, they have some food, they sleep. And the next day, Jethro and Moses wake up, and Moses goes about the, the way that a normal day would look at the base of Mount Sinai for Moses. And the way a normal day at the base of Mount Sinai would look for Moses was, I'm assuming he would wake up early, but he would go somewhere to a central spot among the people, and he would sit. <coughs> and the people, with any kind of grievance, any kind of divisive issue, they would walk up to Moses and say, Make a judgment between me and this other person. Uh, he stole my chicken. All the way to this person murdered someone. All these issues Moses is dealing between. He, he's making judgments. And so people would come to him and say, well, how does the Lord feel about this? And Moses would say, well, you need to give his chicken back and, and you can't murder people. It's wrong. So then there would be judgments there. 
Jethro sees all this going on, and he looks down the line, because it's like Black Friday kind of line. <laughs> gives the Ten Commandments, and then on down, Jethro meets with Moses and says, this thing is not, not good. The thing that, that Moses is uh, doing, this constantly meeting with the people, uh, taking all this on himself is, is not good. And so he is forced uh, to make a different decision. He listens to Jethro's advice. He's got this advice, Jethro tells them, well, what you need to do is put judges over each one of these groups of people, like judges over tens and fifties and hundreds and five hundreds and thousands. You find people who are trustworthy and knowledgeable and wise, who would speak the way the Lord speaks, and you put them over these different companies of people. And for the small judgments, the people of Israel would go to these, these minor, many judges. But for the big things, they would come still to you, and you would tell them what the Lord says. And so... Moses says, well, that makes sense to me, and so let's, let's do it like that. What we can learn from that, I think, is I can't allow you to do all of the work, and you can't allow me to do all of the work. We all need to be in this together. We all need to share the load, and I'm not going to make you carry all that load. Like when Jethro comes up to Moses on that day, and he sees that massive line, and this is just the normal, this is a Tuesday for Moses, you know. This is just a normal, average day. And this, Jethro's got to be thinking, this is the what you do every single day. You're going to kill yourself, and it's not good for the people either. You know what happens in the church? 10% of the people do 90% of the work, don't they? And you, you've seen that as you've grown up in the church or as you've been around for a bit. A small group of people do the majority of the work, and... Jethro's advice would be well heeded here. I'm not going to make you carry all that load. I'm going to help. And so I want to be more invested in ministries. I want you to be more invested in ministries this year too. You know it would be terrible if since 10% of the people do 90% of the work, if we thought that 10% of the people, we got 160 some odd people here today. If 16 people could do the work of this church, how terrible would it be to relegate the work of the church to what 16 people could do? Wouldn't that be awful? We have a huge job. We have an incredible vision. We just got to get to work doing it. So one of the things I want to give myself for Christmas, one of the things I want us all to give ourselves for Christmas is a desire to be more active in the church. And I know you are more than willing to do that. We need to give you better opportunities to do that. And so gift number one is I want to be more active in different ministries. Along with that, though, I want to be more active in relationships I'll be more active in relationships. Um, I'll tell you a story about my grandfather. I'm told, um, this is my mom's dad, uh, I'm told that uh, he snored a lot loudly uh, when he slept. Uh, but he'd be sitting on the, on the couch watching a TV show and he'd fall asleep and, 
He'd wake up, or you turn the channel, and he'd wake up and say, oh, I was watching that. He's, no, you were not. And, and, uh, but then he could recount the storyline to you. Pretty impressive, right? Fast forward 20 years, I snore. And uh, my roommates at college are complaining uh, about my snoring. And so uh, fast forward another couple of years, Kelly and I get married. She complains about my snoring. And uh, fast forward about five or ten more years, ten more years, and uh, the kids now complain about my snoring. And uh, so I finally um, figure out I probably need to do something about this. And so I go to the doctor, and they say, yeah, man, you got sleep apnea. It's pretty bad. You stop breathing a couple times every minute. I'm like, well, okay, what do I do? He says, well, it's really bad for your heart. You need to get this thing taken care of because you can just die in your sleep. Okay, what do I need to do? And uh, he kept on going, like, how bad this is for me. I thought, okay, what do I need to do? He says, well, you're not going to like it. I was like, okay. And he said, you're going to have to wear this machine. It's a sleep apnea machine. And it feels like uh, the first six months, he, he said this, the first six months to a year, you're, you're going to hate it. <laughs> and I did. It felt like I was smothering every single night. Uh, but now, probably three years, four years into it, guess what? Can't sleep without it. Um, something I thought would be very hard was hard. It was awkward for a long time. Um, but now, it's so beneficial to me. You may not think you need more relationships in this church. You may think that you've got plenty of friends at your workplace or in your neighborhood or in your family. Those people, if they're not members of the church, do not have your best interests at heart. They don't have the faith that you have and they don't really care whether it grows or spreads but you know who does people around you right here they have your best interest heart and they want to grow your faith and you need to want to grow their faith as well and so I want to give myself a deeper connection to so many of you um, this year in 2023 first Corinthians 15 uh, comes to mind as we think through that idea. You're familiar with this verse again. It's I, I mean, You can probably quote it. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. He says, do not be deceived. Because this is something that might trick you. He says, don't be deceived. Because this is something you might be deceived about. Right? So he gives you a warning. Don't be deceived. Don't, don't, don't fall for this lie. Bad company corrupts good morals. Doesn't it? And you've seen that, haven't you? It's so much easier for someone to pull you down than it is for you to pull them up, isn't it? There's an illustration uh, I've heard several years ago. The man stood in the chair and uh, up, on a, up on a stage. And so he's got a chair and he stands in it. And he calls someone up on the stage. He says, try to pull me down. And the guy pulled him down like it wasn't no problem because gravity's helping him, right? And this man said, okay. And let's try that again. I'm going to try to pull you up. And you know what he couldn't do? He couldn't pull him up. It's hard to pull someone else up. It's awfully easy for someone to pull you down. we got to work against atrophy. We have to work against apathy. Just like that guy's working against gravity. And so we need all the help we can get um, because we run a difficult race and so we need to invest in relationships not just any relationships not not necessarily relationships in the world but relationships within the church people that want to build us up people who want our best interest who have our best interest at heart we need to can the excuses and get to work there's so much to do that we shouldn't 
be, this congregation should not be able to do it all. We need a God-sized vision. So that 10% of the people couldn't possibly do 90% of the work. That even 160, 170, 200 people couldn't do all the work. It happens when we all work together with God and he brings the increase. We need to be able to lay our head on our pillows at night and think, I'm exhausted, but I'm exhausted in the work of the church. And I didn't do everything I wanted to do today because the vision's so big, because I had so much to do, but I did absolutely everything I could. That's how I want to lay my head on my pillow in 2023. I built all the relationships I could. I was involved in all the ministries I could. And I didn't have any excuses. I just did it. I think that's a valuable thing for us to do. I think it's a present I want to give myself for Christmas. Gift number two, very quickly. Gift number two is I want to have more time, but we can't have more time. We've all got an expiration date, right? There's appointments set for all of us at the end of time, and you're going to be there just like I'm going to be there. And so we can't have more time, so I'm going to have to redeem the time that I've been given. Ephesians 5 talks about that, redeeming the time that you've been given. Uh, the men of Issachar, back in First Chronicles, uh, were men who understood the times. They made the most of it. We need to be people like that, who understand our time and make the most of it. I can't give myself any more time. And so I need to use the time that I've got as wisely as possible. So how do we spend our time? Well, I went on Google, and I found how we spend our time, at least the general American. There's going to be differences here. But the general American spends 56 hours sleeping. Isn't that fun? You didn't know you did that, did you? 56 hours sleeping. You'll spend 46 hours per week working. Now, the interesting thing about this bit is there's only 168 hours in the week. 24 hours in a day, 7 days a week equals 168 hours every single week. So you spend 56 of them sleeping. We spend 46 of them generally working. You spend 21 hours taking care of the kids, give or take depending on their ages. You'll spend 14 hours on household chores, laundry, cooking, cleaning, repairing stuff, all that kind of thing. You'll spend 20 hours per week watching TV, some more, some less. That, just those things, that's 157 hours. You got 10 hours left, 11 hours. You got 11 hours left to do all the other stuff that you do. That's not a lot of time, is it? So you got all, you've only got so much time in the week, you can't make any more of it, so you're going to have to be wise about how you use it. And that's a gift I want to give myself for Christmas. I want to be able to use my time wisely. I'm not wasting it on TV. I'm not wasting it on social media. I'm using it to pray, right? I'm, I'm using that time to build a connection back with the Father. Jesus spent all night in prayer. He also spent... 10 seconds in prayer. It was just this constant connection point with the Father. He was always thinking about it. That's a valid thing. That's something good that we should be doing. We should be thinking through. I need to spend my time wisely. And some of the ways I spend my time aren't very wise. I need to spend it wisely. I want to be better at praying. I want to be better at Bible study. Uh, focused on 
that time with the Lord, learning what he wants me to learn. And at the end of time, I'm going to be judged on how I lived while I was here. It would be the greatest shame if I never read what he said about how I should live or how I should die. Those are some gifts I want to give myself for Christmas. I want a more active faith, but not just randomly targeted. I want to be involved in more ministries, and I want to be involved in deeper relationships. Third gift, or second gift I want to give myself is I want to redeem the time. I want to be wise with how I spend my time. I don't want to spend my time frivolously. I want to spend it wisely, doing things that are in my best interest, doing things that get me to my goal. I think that's something we all want. We just need the encouragement and the motivation to do it. All these things are things that you would want too, right? You didn't disagree with anything I said today, I'm sure, but we just need the motivation and the encouragement to keep on track, right? You all get how important relationships in the church are. That's a duh thing. We just need to remember and to focus on it because it's hard. I sacrifice myself so I can have some of these relationships. I sacrifice my time and my money and other opportunities so that we can have these type of relationships. And you'll have to, too, but it's so worth it to build up each other as well as to be built up because these people have my interest at heart. I want to spend time involved in more ministries. I want to spend time wisely doing things that I know are giving me the most bang for my buck. I don't want to spend a lot of time on Facebook. I don't want to spend a lot of time watching TV. I don't want to spend a lot of time frivolously. I want to do it wisely. And I think you do too. The very first thing you need to do uh, to spend your time wisely is to get inside of Christ. He's the only one who has the power, the authority to cleanse us from our sins. And so he says to do that, to have that cleansing, you need to be immersed into water for the purpose of the forgiveness of your sins. And at that point, he gives it to us. And you become a part of his family. Maybe you've already made that decision this morning and you need the prayers of this church to walk in a way that's worthy after the manner that you've been called. If you have any need tonight, won't you come as we stand and sing?
Please be seated. Good morning, church family. It's good to be here this morning and worship with everybody. If, uh, if you're visiting with us, uh, please take a moment to fill out a visitor card in front of you. Uh, place it inside one of the black boxes in the back so we can have a record of your attendance. We'd greatly appreciate that. Um, and Chris, just to let you know, Top Gun made CPAP machine mask cool again. So it, it didn't, but we like to convince ourselves of that. But um, man, we have a lot going on today here at Rome. Uh, this evening will be the uh, middle school and high school devotional after our evening services at the Williams House. Um, it will be the $5 gift exchange. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun. It's always a lot of fun uh, when we do that at the Williams House. Thank you for the Williams House, uh, Williams, for opening up your house to us for doing that. Um, life groups. Uh, life group one, let me go through you. Life group one has uh, meet, we're supposed to meet this evening. That's been canceled. Uh, Rick is sick, so keep him in your prayers uh, at this time. Let him feel better soon and join us. But uh, Life Group 1's meeting for uh, meeting this evening has been canceled. Uh, Gary Leap's Life Group, Life Group 2, will be meeting at Kevin and Sheila's house um, after services uh, this evening. Uh, please bring finger food for that. And Life Group 4, that's Jerry and Greg's Life Group, will meet up front after services. So meet up front if you're in Jerry, uh, 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 Jerry and Greg's. Uh, this morning. Yeah, this morning. <coughs> Meet this morning, not this evening. Meet this morning, up front. Um, Young at Heart is Wednesday, December 14th, uh, 10.30, so please come to that. We'll be meeting and eating here at the church. Uh, the young kids from the preschool will be singing us songs, and uh, ham will be on the menu and potatoes. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun, really sweet. Um, also, Thursday, December 15th at 6.30, we'll will be the Holiday Cookie Exchange. Uh, please bring uh, two dozen cookies, also finger food as well. Um, for that event, we'll, all ladies will be meeting at Linda White's house. And then Saturday, um, this is a really cool event. Uh, I know Chris has, has talked a lot about getting involved, um, but we will be heading to Woodland Cemetery to do Wreaths Across America. Uh, we'll meet here at the building at 11 o'clock on Saturday, but what this is is we are putting together wreaths for our veterans' um, tombstones. So what an opportunity to pay back our veterans for them sacrificing their lives for us and the freedoms that we have. So I do encourage everybody to get involved with that. So you can meet here at 11, you can ride the bus there with us, or you can drive separately, um, but that's at Woodland Cemetery. And then December 18th will be spare time. Um, that's next Sunday after evening services. Everybody's invited to come to that. And then also there's some boxes out front. Um, we're needing donations for wrapping paper, tape, and uh, gift tags um, for our missions. And we're also uh, doing uh, the Hoops Children's Hospital toy drive as well. That's going on as well. So there's two boxes out in the foyer for that. Updates on our prayer list. Uh, it's good to see Steve McLeod with us this morning. Uh, he had surgery Thursday, um, 
Remember to continue to keep him in your prayers as he's recovering. Remember to continue, continue to keep Gary Leap's brother, Terry, in your prayers as he's going through his cancer treatments. Keep Jennifer Baker in your prayers as well um, as she continues with her cancer treatments. Remember to continue to keep Steve Rowe in your prayers as well. Um, and uh, keep Judy Jordan in your prayers as well. She, ha uh, she has shingles at this time, so uh, keep her in your prayers. Remember, continue to keep uh, the Jones family and the Breaker family and the Stevens family in your prayers that recently lost loved ones as well um, as they go through this difficult time during the holidays. That's all the announcements I have. Looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 6 o'clock. Uh, great to see everybody again. Uh, don't forget about your life groups. If you're not really sure what life group you're in, please grab a sheet out on the foyer board, and uh, those are out there posted on the table. Um, that's all the announcements I have. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 462. Oh, for a faith that will not shrink. We'll sing all four verses, and then Brother Drew Clark will lead us in prayer. Oh, for a faith that will not shrink, oh, Father, we thank you for the day you've given us. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to come here to sing praises to you and to open up your word. Um, we pray that those lessons we can take and apply to our lives and, and lead a walk that's more pleasing to you every day. Father, we pray a special prayer for those who can't be here with us today, whether they be sick or, or whether they have chosen not to be here with us. We pray that if that's the case, you, you touch their heart in a way that they will soon return. Father, we also pray for those who may have recently lost loved ones. We pray that you help them with a means of understanding and watch over them and, and just help them understand that in a way that, that they can apply it to themselves. Father, we also we ask that you'll watch over us, that you'll keep us safe as we depart from here. We pray that uh, you'll help us all to return at the next appointed time. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.